0: Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, tonight we're moving forward in our series titled The Teachings of Jesus. Um, and it's, it's been a while uh, since we've reviewed what's this series all about. And really, it's simple. Most of us uh, probably grew up with a certain image of Jesus in our minds. uh, But but often that image, that perception, uh, uh, that understanding of Jesus is shaped more by family, uh, culture, politics, social media and so forth, and not actually by Jesus himself. And so here at, at Risen, here at Ephraim, this church, we want to know, we want to love and obey the real Jesus, not some false misrepresentation of him that comes to us outside of scripture. So for over a year, you guys are faithful, over a year as a group, uh, we've been studying Jesus' life and ministry, asking the question who is Jesus? Who is the real Jesus? What did he really teach? What did he really believe? And, and how did he really live? And, and so as we're doing that, we're, we're asking that we'd be confronted with the true Jesus in, in all of his wisdom, in all of his grace, and in all of his glory. We're praying that God would transform us. We're praying that God would open our eyes to behold Christ in all of his supremacy. And so while last week we talked about Jesus's teaching on how we're to value heaven over earthly possessions, tonight we're covering what Jesus taught on one of the most relevant topics of our day, and that is anxiety, anxiety. So many people, especially young people, uh, are burdened and weighed down so heavy by anxiety. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, 31% of people between the ages of 13 and 18 have a severe struggle with anxiety. That means three out of 10 in this room, if you were to count statistically speaking, by the time I got to 10, three of you really, really struggle with anxiety. And so uh, honestly, I'm just overjoyed to have this opportunity tonight to declare the peace giving words of Jesus for an anxious, anxious generation. And so let's go ahead and read our passage, pray and dig in. Uh, Jay, would you read the passage for us? And everybody get your sheet out. If you don't have a sheet, make sure you get one and be following along with us.
1: For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own
0: trouble. Let's give Jonathan a hand of applause for that. (laughs) Literally, that was like the longest passage we've ever read here at Risen. And you did so good. Let's go now pray now. Father in heaven, uh, I admit, I confess that uh, apart uh, from your spirit at work in our hearts tonight, nothing of eternal value will come. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Father, we we plead with you now. We ask, Lord, pour your spirit upon us. Open our eyes, open our hearts to receive the teachings of Jesus with joy and in obedience so that we might be transformed, Father. Uh, I, I know that we preach and teach to cemeteries of dead people unless you raise them, Father. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, in your name, that this be done. Amen. So now, as I already mentioned, uh, this this passage before you tonight is Jesus's core teaching on anxiety. And uh, and we can see that by how many times he references the issue. So just look at your passage, uh, uh, the paper with me. Verse 25, Jesus says, do not be anxious. In verse 27, he repeats himself. He says, in which of you by being anxious? He brings it up again. And in verse 28 again, he says, and why are you anxious? And then again in verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. And one more time, just for good measure, in verse 34, Jesus says, do not be anxious. So the topic of the passage, it, it's obvious, it's, it's crystal clear. Jesus wants to deal with our anxious, angsty, nervous hearts. He wants to address a monster that, that comes upon us all, a force that seeks to rule our lives and keep us from fulfillment. And that force is anxiety. Anxiety. And if this whole teaching from Jesus is is locked on to that target, that particular target, then I think we first need to get a handle on what anxiety actually is. What is anxiety? Uh, According to one medical organization, anxiety is a a feeling of fear, dread, uh, and uneasiness. Another source again says it's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. And and maybe those definitions, they're not exhaustive. They don't say everything uh, about uh, anxiety. But I do think they get at what Jesus is talking about in this passage. And that is anxiety is an experience of stress, uh, discomfort, disturbance within us that results in all these different symptoms. Uh, For example, some of us experience anxiety more in our bodies, in our bodies. uh, And that's me. When I'm anxious, when I'm nervous, I get butterflies in my stomach, Uh, they're turning, my my heart rate increases, my bowels start to loosen up, so you'll catch me in the bathroom blowing it up before risen because I'm nervous. Uh, uh, Others of you might feel tightness in your chest or or, or your shoulders. Don't laugh, you know you get loose bowels too. Uh, And some of us, though, some of us, uh, like my wife, Tiffany, for example, experience anxiety more cognitively. Uh, That is, when some of you get anxious, you'll have this flood, this overwhelming amount of repetitive thoughts. They're unproductive uh, about what you fear, what you fear. Uh, You try to think through and you plan every angle and try to see every outcome, and it just dominates your mental space so that you can't concentrate on anything else. But no matter what symptoms you have, anxiety is always uh, an experience of stress that comes upon us when we feel threatened or when we're scared or about some uncertain impending outcome or danger. And, and so Jesus' main point, right, the, the very anthem of this whole passage is don't be anxious. In other words, Jesus doesn't want us to live in that kind of state of dread and worry. Uh, He doesn't want us to fret and drown in fear and and to abolish, right, to dispel anxiety from our hearts. In this passage, Jesus is going to give us eight arguments, eight uh, absolute boulders of truth that, that can stabilize, that can strengthen our scared hearts. And so put another way, Jesus is going to make a case against anxiety in your life. But before we get to those specific arguments, which we'll cover only the first four tonight, we need to first note what kind of argument Jesus is employing. What kind of argument? Uh, So look at verse 25. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, your life. And, And when Jesus says life in this context, he's referring to our very existence on earth. Uh, To the fact that we're alive, that our hearts beat and our lungs breathe. And we know that because he further explains what he means by life. When he adds, do not be anxious about your life. That is what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Put another way, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about the basic, most fundamental needs you have to survive, which are food drink and clothes, at least if you live in Wisconsin, right? Uh, you could not survive but naked in this weather, could you? You could not. Okay, just make sure you're on the same page. And so Jesus' whole teaching in this passage, all eight arguments, all eight truths are devoted to providing us reliable, peace-giving truths for why we shouldn't live with anxiety about the basic needs we have for life. But some of you are like, oh, I don't get anxious about that stuff. (laughs) Uh, I'm never worried about what I'll eat or what I'll drink or what I'll wear. You know what I'm anxious about? My ACT test. Uh, I'm anxious about performing well at my next game. Uh, I'm anxious about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, where I'm going to college, what job I'll have. But food, drink, and clothes, not so much. Not so much. So then, Pastor Robert, tell me, how is Jesus's teaching on anxiety in this passage going to help me? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, in this passage, like I said before, Jesus is giving us what's called a type of argument that's called a greater to lesser argument. A greater to lesser argument. And you're familiar with this. You're very familiar with this type of argument. Uh, For example, when I say, if I can hoop up Zach, then I definitely can be Eric. That just makes sense, right? If I can beat Zach, I can beat Eric. If I can bench press 225, then I can definitely put up 185. Uh, And again, a greater to lesser argument. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's going to argue that if we don't have to worry about what we need to survive, what, what we need to take our next breath, then we don't need to worry about lesser matters, like whether or not our crush likes us or whether or not we'll get that scholarship and so, so just to be real clear, real clear, by arguing against being anxious about basic needs, Jesus argues against being anxious about all things, about all things. So let's jump into argument number one. Look at verse 25 with me again. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food. And the body, more than clothing. So, so here Jesus makes two radical countercultural statements. See, back in the ancient times, they didn't kind of have the surpluses that we have. They didn't have pantries full of food, faucets with running water and closets full of clothes. In fact, for ancient people, for people back in this time, much of their life uh, From sunup to sundown, from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed, it was devoted to hard labor, to work. It, It was a type of environment where all you did every day was try to make enough money to put food on the table for the next night. And so the questions then, what will we eat and what will we drink, were real and genuine concerns. They asked those questions. So in a very real sense, they would have believed that the meaning of life, the meaning of their life, uh, what it all comes down to in the end for them was getting their basic needs. Just, Just getting enough food, just having enough adequate clothing. That's what life's all about. And so when Jesus says, is not your life more than food and and the body more than clothing, he's telling these people who are absolutely consumed with working to eat and assures them, saying, listen, your body, uh, uh, the the, the time you spend on earth, the 50 to 60 years is not all you will have. There's more to life than the 12 hour shifts you put in. There's more to life than what you can see, taste, taste. And touch here and now. And students, look at me. If Jesus was here today, he'd say the same to us. He'd say, students, your life is more than your grades. More than your job. More than how much playing time you get. More than what kind of car you drive. uh, More than the college you attend. More than your social media accounts. More than your boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, and your body. Your body, uh, your fearfully and wonderfully hand-designed body is more than how you look in a mirror. More than the clothes you wear, more than the Nikes on your feet. And so, dear brothers and sisters, you're made in the image of God. You bear the reflection. You look like you resemble uh, the most supreme, infinitely glorious and beautiful being in the universe. He has given your life and your body intrinsic worth and value. And that goes way beyond this life into eternity. So Jesus says, don't be anxious about this life because this isn't all there will be. You have so much more to look forward to. So so that's Jesus' first argument against anxiety about earthly matters. The second argument comes in verse 26. Go ahead and look there with me. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they uh, do you guys have a dog or a cat or fish or some kind of pet? Any of you guys got pets? A lot of you guys. Okay. Uh, well, growing up, since my family lived, they lived in a, we lived in apartments mostly. Uh, we couldn't have dogs. And so we settled for cats. And I say settled. Uh, now, don't judge. Don't judge. But as a little boy, uh, let's say five or six, maybe I was older. I don't know. I, I was a poor pet owner. Okay, let me be honest. I was a terrorist, okay? I was an absolute terrorist. I used to do all sorts of cruel things to scare and mess with our cats, things I'm not proud of. And I know some of you cat haters out there are rejoicing on the inside right now at the thought of that. There they are. There they are. And I'm sure some of you may have your own shameful stories, right? When you let your hamster die uh, and starve to death or, or, or your fish. Some of you as well have those kind of stories. But most of us, can say with great confidence that we're going to treat our children much better than our pets. I hope, and, and, right? And that's Jesus's point here. Remember the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. And that includes the animal kingdom. And therefore God, have you ever thought about this? He has billions of pets. He's got a lot of pets. And, and Jesus says, look at how God provides. For the millions of birds in the sky, look how he feeds and nourishes them. They don't plant seeds. Uh, uh, They don't harvest crops. Uh, They don't store up in barns. And yet God keeps them alive. And so while God is a good pet owner, Jesus's point is that he's an even better father. He's an even better dad. And if he cares for his pets, how much more will he care for us? Students, according to Jesus, your Father in heaven, He values you. He values you. He he counts you as important to Him. He he watches over you. He knows you by name. He was present in the hospital room on the day of your birth. He he, he, uh, delighted in your first smile. He rejoiced over your first steps, your first day of school. You're His son. You're His daughter. He's zealous for you, so much so that he sent his eternal son, Jesus Christ, to come and save you by dying a horrific death in your place. And guess what? Here's the most beautiful part. His estimation, his evaluation of your worth, of your value is not based on anything in us. It's not because we're tall. It's not because we're smart. It's not because we have abs or a high vertical. It's because he's so good. He's so gracious. He's so kind. He's so merciful. We have all of God's infinite, eternal, steadfast, enduring love because that's who he is. It's in his nature. And so Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Your father in heaven, he truly, really values you. You're important to him. Now, the third argument comes in verse 27. So look there with me. Jesus says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And so now Jesus is just getting practical, at this point, and says, listen, anxiety accomplishes nothing. Your anxiety accomplishes nothing. Now, the feeling, the discomfort of anxiety, it might prompt us to finish that homework assignment we've been procrastinating to do. It may make us uncomfortable that we're moved to resolve some kind of conflict between friends. But in itself, The experience of anxiety accomplishes nothing. Anxiety won't get you a high test score. Anxiety will not get you that boyfriend or girlfriend. Anxiety can't take away that moment you embarrassed yourself. Anxiety is not able to solve the everyday problems of life. And even more, anxiety can't solve our biggest problems. It can't forgive our sins. Uh, It can't restore our relationship with God no matter how anxious I get. I can't heal my sicknesses. I I can't raise me from the dead. Put simply, anxiety is good for nothing. And if anything, it often inhibits us and it makes it harder on us to do life. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. It can't do anything for you. The fourth and final argument uh, in in this uh, part of the passage against anxiety that we'll look at tonight comes in verses 28 through 30. Look there with me. Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you anxious about shoes and Nikes and hoodies and clothes? Why why are you anxious about the fanciest clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O oh you of little faith? So according to Jesus, Solomon—he uh, was a king in Old Testament times. He had an extraordinary wealth. I mean, he was super rich. He drank out of gold cups and ate on gold plates. Uh, Gucci didn't have nothing on him, and and even his wardrobe. Even the wardrobe of Solomon, who was rich beyond measure, could not compare to what a colorful, beautiful uh, field of wildflowers looked like. Flowers that no one planted, uh, flowers that didn't labor. And, and Jesus is like, if, if God, the creator of heaven and earth, your father, he, he clothes grass like that, grass which is to, here today and gone tomorrow, tomorrow he's definitely going to clothe you. His beloved children who will dwell with him forever. And, and in some ways, this, this fourth argument, just, it just reinforces, it just supports the first two arguments. One, that there's more to life, the, that, that human beings will live beyond the stuff of earth like grass. And two, God cares for us more deeply than all of creation. He loves us and therefore he will care for us. But there's something new here. Look back at verse 30 again. It's at the end of it. Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and thrown into the oven, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Little faith. Here then, Jesus attributes their anxiety, their nervousness, their their fixation on clothing to what? Little faith. See, while we might try to explain all the reasons why our anxiety is justified, while, while we might push back and say, there's no way I can't be anxious. Look at this horrible situation. Jesus says, ultimately, the antidote, the, the, the solution to our anxiety problem is not drugs and alcohol. It's, it's not medication. It's not distracting ourselves with entertainment. It's faith in God. It's it's trusting in our Father. Put another way, uh, true peace, right? A a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace, a sense of everything's going to be okay, even when your whole house burns down. A peace that overcomes all fears and doubts. It comes from the source of God by believing in his truth and his promises. That's where peace comes from. Trust in God. So so my encouragement for you all and us uh, is to push these truths that Jesus gives us in these first four arguments deep into our souls, constantly reminding ourselves of why. Why we don't need to be scared. Why we don't need to live in anxiety. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the God of peace. You are the God that settles and calms nervous, angsty hearts. And you have given us truth to overcome our anxiety, to overcome our fear, to overcome our uncertainties. And so Father, we just ask now that you would make these truths powerful in our lives, that you would help us grow in our trust of you and that we would walk in more freedom. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.